Um, do you think you spend time well? Why? Why not? Hmm. Hmm. You do the thinking. Think about it and maybe share it with the person next to you. Um, say hi if you do not know them. And uh, Brother Ray will bring us the Bible reading and Pastor Matt with the word. Thank you. Good morning, church. Hi, everyone. My name is Ray. I'm here to give us the uh, Bible reading this morning. Uh, this morning's Bible reading comes from Exodus chapter 16. So if you've got your Bibles out, uh, let's, let's turn to Exodus chapter 16. Uh, so we'll pick up the story. Uh, Exodus is the, uh, the story of uh, yeah, God's people leaving bondage in Egypt uh, and, and entering the promised land. Um, but while they're crossing the desert, uh, they complained about, uh, about their hunger. So God provided uh, bread from heaven called manna, uh, but he also gave them some instructions. So let's read about those. Uh, each morning, uh, everyone, sorry, we are in Exodus chapter 16, verse 21. Verse 21. Each morning, everyone gathered as much manna as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, the manna melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. 
And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, This is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the Sabbath, but on the seventh, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. And then uh, keep, uh, if you could flip to uh, Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, we'll continue our reading. So in Exodus chapter 20, um, the people are still in the desert, and uh, Moses receives the, the Ten Commandments from, from a holy God. And we'll start reading from verse 8. So Moses speaking to the people. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your sons or daughters, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the seas, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is God's word. All right, thank you, Ray. And good morning, everyone. Uh, Welcome to those who are tuning in online as well. Uh, It's so great to be here on Mother's Day as well. Uh, You know, as Ray mentioned, we've been uh, going through a series on rest which, you know, thank you, Angeline, for some uh, very thoughtful, practical hints and tips on that because, you know, mums, we do know that, don't we? Rest, one of the most elusive things for you as a mum. Elusive for all of us in lots of different ways, isn't it? Now, we're going to get into that this morning. We're going to be looking at the Sabbath, huge topic here in the Old Testament. Uh, we'll get onto that in a second. But, hey, just wanted to mention a couple of things. Um, let you know that the next episode of our podcast is out. So it's on rest for our bodies you know what, if you're feeling a little weary, you're probably feeling it in your body, aren't you? So we're going to be hearing from a GP and a counsellor uh, who will give us some thoughts on what it means to actually rest your body. So tune on your podcast there. You can check it out uh, on our website for the podcast or on, yeah, look up CPE Church on uh, Spotify, or on uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, and the other thing is just our bookstore. We actually have a few extra books uh, from our bookstore. Uh, I think we've got at least one of each of the books. So if you missed out and you're still interested in one of those, uh, come over and let us know. Uh, you can grab one of those today. All right. Well, today is a talk on why rest is an act of worship. Why rest is an act of worship. Now, we're going to get into that topic and we're going to be looking at this idea of the Sabbath uh, today, but I wanted to actually ask you, what is your relationship with time? Now, that was a really fascinating discussion we had earlier, wasn't it? 
How do you spend your time? Do you spend it well? Do you spend it poorly? And judging by the hints of kind of nervous, guilty laughter, I reckon a whole bunch of us are kind of going, yeah, probably didn't spend it so well. Now, maybe you grew up and maybe you had kind of various sayings and proverbs or things about time that kind of, you know, maybe that was actually ticking over in your brains as you were thinking about uh, how you use your your time. Now, who's heard this one, a stitch in time? saves nine. Yeah, that was one that was around. I remember um, as a kid hearing that one, uh, the whole idea that uh, it's encouraged you to do something. If you need to do something, do it straight away. It'll save you time. It'll save you work and energy later. Here's another one. Time is money. That's a very famous one too, isn't it? Time is money because, well, any time you spend, maybe you could have spent that working and earning money. It's something that uh, became a real common phrase, uh, particularly in those first few years of working when you've been studying for ages and suddenly you can earn money. And you're just kind of looking at the numbers ticking up in the bank account for every hour that you work. You know, you understand your, your hourly rate, and, and, and so time is money. Now, here's a bit of a longer one, but um, I actually quite like it. It's a, it's a little quote here from a guy called Harvey McKay. He says this, Time is free, but it's priceless. You can't own it, but you can use it. You can't keep it, but you can spend it. Once you've lost it, you can never get it back. Doesn't that just capture so much about time? Your time is precious. You want to use it well. You don't want to waste it. And if you lose it, well, you're never getting it back. It's not an unlimited resource. You see, the thing is, I think a lot of us live with this kind of mindset when it comes to time. Time is something that we spend time, we kill time, we waste time. It's a resource we feel like is in short supply, and so we're always running hard to make sure that we use it well, we use it productively. You see, with that mindset, sometimes even just the concept of resting and not being productive and not spending the time well is a problem. You know, as a friend of mine used to say, I'll sleep when I'm dead. You see, that urge to keep busy, earn money, make progress is one of those things built into us, built in us from a young age. But what is actually the right attitude to time? What if God actually governs the times and the patterns and the seasons of our life? What if he set the agenda for us? What if the command to rest in the Bible, because actually God knows that we will try to govern our lives and use our time in our own way, and it might even lead to our own destruction. See, I think that's partly why rest is such a huge theme in the Bible. Because left to our own devices, what do we do? We run as hard as we can until we're exhausted and we fall over. Now, as we look at this topic of rest, you know what? You you can't read the Bible and think about rest without thinking about the Sabbath. And that's what we're going to be thinking about today, the Sabbath. Now, we're going to be looking at that through that lens of worship in particular. Um, Now, this is one of those talks, right, where it's going to be really helpful for you to be taking notes. If you're a note taker, if you've got those booklets, this is a good time to whip them out. Uh, You know what? If you need to jump up and grab a pen, grab a spare booklet from the back now, uh, now would be a great time. No one's going to kind of judge you for that. I'm giving you permission to absolutely do that. Here's a quick outline for some of the content today, all right? Here's a quick outline of the content today. Uh, We're going to cover a lot of territory. 
worksheet today, all right? So I'm giving you the warning, the heads up. We're going to move quickly. Uh, rest, the Sabbath, huge theme. Huge theme in the Bible, huge theme in the Old Testament. Now, I'll give you the heads up as well that as we uh, cover a lot of this territory in the Old Testament, uh, we're not actually going to get to cover a huge amount in the New Testament, but we will get to that next week, okay? So we will get to that next week. All right. So, the Sabbath. The Sabbath. The idea of a day off, the weekend, the week that revolves around seven days. We still operate on it today. It's a very Christian idea. It's funny though, isn't it? It hasn't changed over thousands and thousands of years. Why? Why? I want to ask you that question today. You see, the Old Testament is really the whole story of, of, the, of Israel, how God chooses, he saves Israel, he redeems them, and he sets them to be his people, to live differently, to live distinct lives, to be a, a light to the nations. Now, one of the ways that he does that is God gives them his law. His law is to teach them to live differently. You're not going to live the same as the world and the nations around you. You're going to live differently. And so when God gives Moses the Ten Commandments, he gives them that because you're going to live differently. You're going to live your life in light of what God says that life and time is about. Now, the Ten Commandments as we have them today, you know what? We still, our laws are still very much reflecting uh, the Ten Commandments. Now, in the, in the Ten Commandments, the first three commandments are all about your relationship with God. They're all about your relationship with God. The last six commandments are all about your relationships with other people. But slap bang there, in the middle of the Ten Commandments, the longest commandment is about your relationship with work and rest. So, a commandment about your time. See, have your Bibles open there to Exodus 20. Have your Bibles open there to Exodus 20. All right? Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, neither you nor your son or your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor your foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. All right, we're going to work through this commandment because there's uh, plenty of of stuff there. Uh, uh, The first point you see straight away from that very first line there, that there is a rhythm to work and rest. You have six days to do your work, but the last day, the seventh day, is a Sabbath, a day of rest to the Lord your God. Yeah, this is a remarkable thing, I reckon, that we actually still operate on a seven-day week today. Now, it hasn't always been that way. In fact, people have tried to change it. The French revolutionaries, uh, they actually wanted to institute a 10-day working week. Can you imagine that, a 10-day working week? They thought, well, you know what? We're bringing the revolution. It's time to change things up. 10 days. Man, we're going to be so much more efficient if we could work 10 days. Did it work? No, it didn't work. People burnt out. It lasted a few years and they scrapped it. The Soviets had a calendar like this. The Soviets saw what the French did and went, okay, people can't make it to 10 days. You know what we'll do? We'll do a a, a seven-day week, but everyone's going to operate on a seven-day shift working week. That is, every every group of people would work, you work six days, have your day off, but then a new group would start on the next day, and they'd work for six days and then have a day off. And the reason for that was that they could keep the factories working. 
Man, we're going to be the proud Soviets, the communists. We're going to show up the world with our productivity. What did that do? People couldn't see their families, their friends. They couldn't do stuff. Life revolved around work, not around life and relationships and all those other good things. It didn't work. People burnt out. Factories, they they functioned, but guess what? The machines broke down because they didn't have time for maintenance. Even the machines needed rest. Now, get this. Here's one more more thing that I found out uh, interesting uh, recently. NASA gives their astronauts a day off. Now, you think about it for a moment. What difference does it make when you're an astronaut? You're no longer tethered to the revolutions of the Earth. You're floating around there somewhere in space and the sun and the moon, you can see it all, it's all there, and you'll kind of think, oh, well, we're, we're now existing out of space and time. Look at us go. Guess what? NASA, after all their research, worked out that actually their astronauts need a day off every week. Isn't that fascinating? See, what the French revolutionaries, the Soviets, and NASA have all worked out is that somehow, some way built into the fabric of the universe is that we humans need a day off every seven days. Interesting, isn't it? Now, why do I say, why is that so important? Well, I think the Bible gives us an explanation why. It gives an explanation why. Why? Because if you don't take a day off, then work becomes your idol. And what did we learn last week? When your idols will destroy you. Your idols will destroy you. When work becomes a, a seven-day, 24-7 affair, you know what? The whole week just blurs into a whole week of work. Uh, you lose track of time. You know, it's like being in a blizzard. It's just like a whiteout. You can't work like that. You can't survive like that as a human being. You know, our bodies just need that rest. You know, a few years ago, I actually saw what happened uh, to someone when work becomes a idol. A, a friend of mine, he was actually a, a lovely, faithful Christian bloke. Uh, you know, he led life groups. He was out there. He was uh, uh, busy in church and ministry. That all changed when he owned his own business. He started his own business, which, uh, which you know, when you're starting a business, if you're a startup, if you heard anything about those uh, entrepreneurs, they work incredibly hard to get this thing off the ground. And then as the thing starts getting off the ground, guess what? You work harder because now you're employing staff. You feel responsible for those staff. Anyway, after about four or five years of this, this guy was just, you know, he was dropping out of church. He was flying into state. He was dealing with multi-million dollar government, big government contracts. About four or five years in, he packed it all in. He packed it all in. After all that time and effort and investment, he sold the business. He couldn't do it anymore. He burnt out. Some of us feel a bit like that, don't we? We feel I've been running so hard. We haven't had our days. I've been ignoring it, thinking, well, maybe we can just push on, get more done. It doesn't work. It's built into the fabric of the universe. Now, I think that's an interesting word for our mums today, isn't it? Because if there's one job that does feel like it's a 24-7 job, it's probably parenting and especially motherhood. So, you know, mums, I hope you're having a great day off today. I hope you get pampered and looked after today. But you know what, church? I'm going to give you a suggestion here. I want you to say, I mean, if you think it's a good idea, what about Mother's Day every week? What, what do you reckon, church? Would that be a good idea? Now, I know practically it might be tricky and there's probably seasons of life, as um, Auntie Angeline talked about, that's impossible. Say amen if you reckon that is a good idea. Amen? Amen. 
uh, a few mums are like, oh, come on, church. Amen, church. Oh, that's more like it. It's much more like it. Everyone needs a day off. Everyone. It's built in there from creation. In fact, uh, God champions this with this idea of the Sabbath. But you know what? It's not just important for you personally. Okay? This is important for society. This is an act of social justice. Okay? So you read on with me. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. This might not seem that remarkable on the surface of it, but it's actually utterly remarkable. You see, when this command is given to Israel, ancient Israel, this is a a world of serfdom, of slavery. You know, Israel escaped from Egypt. They escaped from slavery. You know what what life was like in Egypt? You were just driven hard. You worked harder and harder and harder. Why? The Egyptians didn't care about this. The Egyptians literally had millions of slaves. You know how all those great monuments in Egypt were built? on the back of millions of slaves. See, here's another accounting of the same thing in Deuteronomy, the same counting of the Ten Commandments. In verse 15, look at there. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. See, what God is saying is this. You will not be like the Egyptians. You will not treat people like machines and drive them as hard as you can. Not your, your kids, not your servants, not even the, the random foreign migrants into your, into your area. You're not going to drive them into slavery. You will not do that. Why? Because I don't do that. I, your God, don't drive humans to slavery. You know, the funny thing is that in the Genesis story, there were lots of actually creation stories in the, in, the, in the area, in the ancient Near East, that were actually quite similar to each other, but there are a few unique things about the Genesis story. One of them is that God doesn't, doesn't just require his people, his worshippers, just to serve him. He actually blesses them and gives them time off. No other pagan god in the ancient world did that. You see, the ancient world was a world where those in power of the right ethnicity and nation would enslave others break their backs. And so when God does this, this is a statement of social justice. The Sabbath is a marker of God's concern for the marginalized. That actually there would be this day, this moment of freedom, that you are not a slave to your work and that even your slaves aren't a slave to their work. You see, I don't need to tell you that some of us kind of end up feeling like a bit of a slave to our work, don't we? And even more with the world of technology and email and The freedom to switch off and disconnect gets harder and harder. But there's a word here, and there's a principle here that might be really helpful for us, isn't it? That maybe we actually need to disconnect every seven days. Get out. And that actually leads to our next next point, which is the Sabbath is a day of delight. Okay? See, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. He declares it holy. Something set apart, something sacred. It's a declaration that life doesn't revolve around work, achievement, toil, or earning money, but around worship. 
Now, that's not to devalue work. There's still six days worth of set aside for work and one day set aside for rest. So there is an acknowledgement that work is going to dominate your life in a way, but it's not to be the central point of your life. You see, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy, special, sacred. In fact, Pastor Iggy actually talked about this a couple of weeks ago. If you've missed that sermon, it's a great sermon. Go back and listen to it because he made this point that actually on the seventh day of creation, God was deeply satisfied with his work. And that's why he rested. He rested to take delight in his creation. Right? Imagine being Adam and Eve and your first day of existence is a day of God's rest, of walking in the garden with God, of delighting in relationship with him. What a perfect day to start the universe. You know, a couple of uh, weeks ago, uh, my family were down at the beach, down, uh, down at the Gold Coast, just having a lovely time there, and uh, our kids love the beach. I just mean they love the beach. They love the beach. They love the sand. They love building something, like jumping in the waves, swimming, all the rest of it. And it's just the moment there where you go, wow, this is a bit like God delighting in his creation. He's that childlike just joy of being out there in nature and, and, and just enjoying the scene, uh, the waves, the sand, everything. Reminded me of actually a really great quote that I love. Time is, ga- is a game played beautifully by children. Isn't that just a lovely quote? Isn't that just a lovely picture of just childlike joy and delight in just the simple things of life? You see, church, the Sabbath reminds us that God doesn't create us out of any necessity. God doesn't need us to serve him. He actually creates us out of a desire to want to delight in us, to love us, to have relationship with us. See, we're not valuable because we're useful. Do you get that? We're not valuable to God because we're useful. We're valuable because God chose to create us and to delight in us. So don't ever treat another person just on their utilitarian basis, just because they're useful. Don't use, don't abuse, don't marginalize, don't... See, God wants to delight in humans, and so we should too. We should delight in our rest. We should delight in our relationship with God. We should delight in our time off. See, one of the signs of burnout is that you no longer find enjoyment in the things that you used to find enjoyment in. And one of the pathways to recovery is to go and find enjoyment, go and do those things, the hobby, get out in nature, Go and catch up with some old friends. Get some perspective back. See, a God who delights in his creation wants you to find joy. Westminster Shorter Catechism, you might have heard this before, says this, What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. You see, don't ever think that the Sabbath is all about a denial of everything good and enjoyable, right? We enjoy God as we delight in the creation the, the way that God did. For me, it's when I'm running around on a field playing sport. I just feel like there's a moment, I just feel at one with the universe. I'm just out there enjoying time with people, enjoying running around. It's an act of worship to stop, rest, delight. You see, I think that's what's wrong when the Pharisees came up with a massive list of rules about what you can and can't do on the Sabbath. It drew out the delight. You just lost that joy of having rest. You know, if you went maybe back to your grandparents' era, there was an era where actually rest and a day off and where shops were closed and everything was a thing, even here in Australia. And they were really good, actually, at stopping. They weren't so good at delighting, though. But you know, friends, 
the Sabbath. A day off is a day for delight. So I know in our life you've been talking a little bit about that. What is it that brings you joy? What is that thing that you just enjoy doing delight in? If you're feeling busy, run down, burnt out, go and do that. Go and know that God ordains it. Next point, point four. A day to remember redemption. This is going back to our Deuteronomy passage. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. And you see, the Sabbath doesn't just look back to creation as part of its meaning. It, looks, it also looked back to their redemption from Egypt. You see, when we saw it was a motivation for social justice, but it's also a reminder that actually you need to stop to remember who you are. That you are a person who've been saved. For the Israelites, saved out of Egypt. For you and I, if you're a Christian, if you trust in Jesus, that Jesus has covered your sin wholly on the death, in his death and resurrection. Now, we're actually going to come back to this. So I'm not going to dwell too much on, on this, but... Just see that actually life is supposed to orbit around God. It's supposed to orbit around what God has done for us. And that's going to have some big implications. Right, point five, point five, right? We're going to keep plowing through these, so stay with me. Point five, uh, the Sabbath was an act of faith. Okay, so we'll get to the story in a second that Ray read out to us earlier, but isn't it so true that one of the barriers to rest is that we'll feel like that maybe we'll be missing out on something. Now, maybe if time is money and I'm taking a whole day off, man, I'm going to, do you know how much I could be earning if I was work this Sunday? Double pay rates, whatever. Do you know how much housework won't get done if I took a day off? That's the thing that kind of jumps into our mind, isn't it? That maybe we'll be missing out. But what does this, this little story tell us? What's this little story? I'll read it out to you again. Exodus 16, 21. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed of the manna bread, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omens for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want, to bake and boil what you want to boil, and save what is left and keep it till morning. So they saved it until morning, as Moses commanded, and it didn't stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Now, I think that's actually a really interesting thing, isn't it? That actually they took a day off and God provided for them. You see, it was an act of faith. You see, if we're constantly thinking, well, time is money, or maybe if you're a student, time is marks because, you know, you could study more and, and do a little bit better. It's an act of faith to take that day off. So you don't have to worry about missing the extra pay or the extra marks. God provided for Israel in the wilderness, and so he'll provide for us too. That loss of income, that potential to do better in your exams, whatever, you know what, is not as important as resting. And God will provide. It's an act of faith, an act of trust. Now, I just remember when the enduring images for the pandemic were empty shopping shelves, emptied of toilet paper. 
right? I don't think any of us will ever forget that. Like, of all the scarce things in the entire world, like toilet paper, like, come on, that was the first thing that we ran to the shops to buy. I mean, I didn't think that, uh, that uh, wiping my bottom was so important, but hey, people started selling those toilet rolls for like four bucks a, a roll on, on Marketplace. And remember, you know what? It's the fear of our anxious heart that maybe things will run out. In spite of you know, everything the toilet paper company said and the government said that we were never going to run out of toilet paper, it didn't matter. We all had to stock up, you know, people walking out with trolleys high of stuff. It's a little picture of the human heart. We live with a scarcity mindset. It's a, that's actually an official term. It's a marketing term because uh, all the advertisers, all the marketers work exactly on your weakness to the scarcity mindset that things might just run out or that, that sale price might not just be around for very long. And so that's how they get you in. Because they know that we, we, we just feel like things are always going to run out. But God's saying, hey, we will, I will provide for you. Take that rest off. Trust me. Who's ever had a Chick-fil-A sandwich, right? It's an American thing. Anyone had a Chick-fil-A sandwich before? No, no one. Okay, interesting. Okay, this is one of the biggest fast food chains in America. It's owned by a Christian. Uh, uh, his name is Truett Cathy, okay? One of his convictions is that every single Chick-fil-A store in America has to close every Sunday. Every Sunday. It's a fast food company, right? They just pump out stuff on a production line and feed people. And they reckon, I've heard some estimates, Chick-fil-A foregoes $1 billion of revenue every year so that they can have a day off. And they give their workers a day off, they give their stores a day off. It's just a thing. You go to America, you talk to people at Chick-fil-A, they go, yeah, man, love their sandwiches, but don't forget to get one on a Saturday because you can't buy one on a Sunday. Now, I actually read an article by a Harvard Business Review who said this is one of the most brilliant marketing strategies of all time. Because it makes you feel like uh, yeah, you come to Saturday and go, well, I can't get it tomorrow, so I'm going to get in there and buy it on the Saturday. They said, hey, you know what? It kind of actually does drive demand for their sandwiches because there's a day where you can't get it. But it's also brand image too. In fact, Chick-fil-A is known as one of the most community-oriented companies in America, right? See, Chick-fil-A says no to a billion dollars every year so they can rest. Church, how are you going at saying no to things? How do you go at saying no? Saying no maybe even to good things. Saying no to more work, to filling in when it's needed. Saying no maybe even to church ministry things. You know, I mean, I'm the ministry coordinator here at, uh, at CPU, and I can tell you, I would rather you say no to a ministry request so that you can rest to fulfill all the possible needs. And I'll tell you, we've got massive needs here at CPE, but I would rather you take a day of rest. You see, I think sometimes Christians have our well-meaning desire to serve others and in our church or in our workplaces. Uh, we actually say yes to a lot of things when we should say no. And we've got to trust that God's going to provide and God's going to look after our ministries, that God's going to look after our workplaces so that we can rest, so that we can worship. The art of saying no. Very important skill from this series. All right, I'm going to be on point six. Point six for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was a day for worship and relationship. Okay? Another recounting of the Ten Commandments here, Leviticus 23.3. 3. 
There are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is the day of Sabbath rest, the day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work wherever you live. It is a Sabbath to the Lord. All right, so, hey, uh, in the picture there of what the Sabbath was to be for Israel was a day of assembly to come together to worship God. Now, uh, I don't know whether church feels like work or rest for you, but I know that there is, because uh, no church is perfect and we're full of sinners, but you know what? I would hope and I would love to see that CPE would be a church that just loves coming on a Sunday, that loves being around people, that loves singing, that loves doing lunch afterwards, that would hang around and play board games and invite each other over to each other's places or go and have a game of basketball. You know what? Um, I remember there was a friend, uh, a friend who became a Christian, and you know what she said about the church? She said, I never found anywhere else in the world where people were more accepting of who I was, who more acknowledged me, who wanted to help me, not because I was cool, but seemingly without condition, where people just want to hang out with you for you. Isn't that just a great picture of what it means to belong to the church? You see, church isn't just about turning up and sitting in a pew and listening to a preacher rattle on for 30 minutes, but it's actually belonging to a people. It's, it's a relationship. See, Robert Putnam is one of those uh, uh, kind of social analysts. He, he wrote a book called Bowling Alone. He says that in the Western society, we're becoming increasingly um, isolated and individualistic. Don't need to convince you of that. But he actually famously said this. He said, instead of having friends, we watch friends on television. We no longer truly need each other. We think we can fulfill all our needs with the click of a button. I mean, that's kind of what's happening in our world. This, this was actually written a while ago, but isn't it so easy? Our rest gets filled with the clicks of a button. You can fill it with Netflix. You can fill it with your social media scroll, watching other people doing life instead of doing life yourself with others. Heck, if you even like watching television, invite others to come and watch TV with you. You know, back in the day, pre-streaming days, when there was a television show on a specific time and a specific channel, you had to be there at 7.30 to turn on that, that thing and, and then people would get together and watch TV. That used to be a thing. It's a thing no longer, it seems. But getting together with people is part of our rest. You see, I loved COVID and actually, uh, you know, I hate COVID, but I loved the time of COVID when actually, uh, you know, we all kind of just were in ISA and we kind of weren't allowed to go to work. You know what people did? I saw just families and local communities just getting out and spending time together, just kind of being out at the parks together because you weren't allowed to go anywhere else, right? There was a little moment, a little snapshot in time where people were just like, well, I guess we should just go and hang out together, out in creation, go outdoors, go and enjoy some more extra family time. You see, I think it's fascinating when you actually look at, look at um, the Jews and, and if you went to Israel today, it's still the case about how they think about the Sabbath. See, they've been doing this for centuries now, for millennia. And what do they do? Well, actually, they spend their the, the, um, Friday preparing for their Sabbath. Their Sabbath runs from uh, Friday sunset to, uh, to Saturday sunset. And so they, they actually prepare, and they prepare all the food they need for the next day. And then they get together, they light some candles, they sing a song, and they start their Sabbath. And everyone gets together. People are going over to each other's places. And in the morning, they go to synagogue together. 
Now, he's actually banned driving. So what people had to, had to do, they actually get out of their houses and they walk to synagogue together. And so, you know, even if you go to like Bondi, Bondi um, to suburbs like that with big Jewish populations, you see this on this Sabbath, just Jews just walking around, just enjoying the outdoors, walking on the way to synagogue, hanging out, going out to lunch together afterwards. It's a great picture of relationship, the relationship of rest. You know, someone said to me last week, the way that they the most feel at rest is just when you've been to that church camp. Yeah, you know, that means you just got to spend a whole weekend with people, just enjoying worship and time and fellowship together. You know, it's that church camp, it's a media conference. It's just that perfect mix and, 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 and moment where you can just rest and enjoy relationship with God's people. And I know, like, we've got to acknowledge that, you know, introverts, you're still going to need your downtime, and we've got to factor those things into those kinds of weekends. But you know what? There is a picture of the perfection of that rest and that just for that short time. You know, we can't live in church camp mode forever, for always. So we've still got the six days of work to do. But, you know, there's a little snapshot there to go and enjoy it, a little illustration of this at work. And this really leads on to our last one, right? Our rest is a witness and a sign for our world. Exodus 31, 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, You must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you and for generations to come so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. I heard uh, someone say recently, said, Christians, keep it weird. Keep it weird, he said. Really helpful. Who was it? It was Rory Shiner. Yes, Rory Shiner, who said, uh, said it. Uh, see, he said, actually, to take an entire day off just to rest and to be with people is going to seem so weird to our world. And he said, that's good. Be weird. See, in our world that's nonstop and restless, anxious, overworked, burnt out, a community that comes together to rest and to worship every single week, who enjoys time together, who stops our work and our striving, who just enjoys creation and the people that God has brought together, that's going to be one of our greatest witnesses. Because our world doesn't have that. You see, let me tell you a secret about evangelism. A lot of us stress about what we're going to say to try and convince people of the truth of the gospel. You know what's equally effective? Maybe more effective. Bring them along to see it to witness it. You know, I remember at university, every time we would go away for one of those conferences, someone would become a Christian. You know why? Because you spend an entire week with people just observing how Christians work, how they live, how they treat each other. And they went, I want that. I don't have that. I don't see that anywhere else. You see, bringing people to be a part of a church community who loves being together, who would spend all day together enjoying each other's in relationship and, and doing things together, that could actually be one of the best testimonies that we can possibly give to our world, and particularly to a world that's so restless and anxious and overwhelmed. So I think that's why every Sunday is a good Sunday to invite people along, not so much because of preaching, but as much because of the people. Invite people to taste and see that the Lord is good. Now in our family, uh, every weekend, in fact, we had some this morning, we love doing pancakes and waffles. We love, who likes pancakes and waffles? Yeah, yeah, good, good. My daughter, 
she will we'll give her this little bowl to kind of put some maple syrup in and so she just loads it up like just tops this thing up and you know, so I'm pretty sure that the pancakes for her is just a vehicle for maple syrup because sometimes the, the pancake doesn't even get eaten it's just kind of dishing out syrup into her mouth and kind of just goes for it you know what I reckon that's just great why because in a funny way I want her to experience in a physical visceral way just the sweetness of the weekend, of family love, of time together. And it's a little snapshot, a little picture that in that moment there is a sweet, beautiful moment for us as a family as we sit outside and have these pancakes together. You know what? That we would enjoy that moment. And I reckon God wants that for us too. He doesn't just want it for us. He wants that to be the, the moment where people can taste and see God's goodness to us, His sweetness, His love for us. Now, we keep coming back to this verse because, you know, it's the theme verse for our series. Jesus says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then not a few verses after that, Jesus says, For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. You see, church, what all of these little snapshots and pictures of the Old Testament point to is Jesus. Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath. He comes and he relieves us of our burdens. He gives us that rest. He brings about justice. He stands for the poor. He wants you to delight in him as you delight in God. That we would orbit our lives around him, that we would have time to worship him. You see, you won't actually hear me command you to take a day off. Because I actually think it should be something that you're drawn to, to want to do, to delight in. Christians from the early times have more or less largely taken Sundays off as their day of worship. Now, we can't explore all of the the pictures of the New Testament of what it says to say about the Sabbath. We're going to explore Jesus as Lord of the Sabbath next week, okay? So we've got part two coming up. If you're going to go on, ah, well, we didn't talk about Jesus much today. We've got all of next week to talk about it. But let me just say this. See, the Sabbath, a day of time of rest, is so central to God's witness, his worship and testimony. I don't think you can just do away with it. See, some Christians, again, have gone and gone, oh, well, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, therefore I don't need a day off anymore. Now, let's just drive hard up to eternity. Let's just work hard, ministry, you know, save people, do all that stuff. No, no, the Sabbath, the rest, taking time off is a part of our witness. It's a part of our gospel. It's a part of the hope for the world. Is that on that day, there is a little snapshot, a picture of what Jesus is working towards, of what he is drawing us and pointing us towards the eternal rest that we can only find in him. So church, take today as a chance to see and taste that the Lord is good. Yes, it's weird and we are giving up time to be doing other things. But see that this is the moment to delight in God, that we are living out of our reliance on Him, out of our delight in Him and in each other. See, church, how are you going at saying no to the temporary things? So you can spend time on the eternal things. You see, rest, that's why rest is as much in an act of worship as anything else that you do in your life. You know, my times are past, the most common complaint I hear just about Oh, I'm so spiritually dry, 
You know what my response is? I reckon you haven't learnt how to rest, how to enjoy, how to delight. We don't have any special moments in our week where we just delight in God and His people, where we can enjoy the outdoors, we can enjoy time with people. So church, as a result of today, of all that we've seen, I want to challenge you. Are you taking a day of rest? Are you learning how to say no? It doesn't necessarily actually have to be a Sunday. I think one of the freedoms that, that are there in the New Testament. But don't just fill up your day of rest with chores. Don't go, oh, well, Sunday, you know, do church and then get on, get ready for the week. No, no, enjoy time. Invite people for lunch. Stay around. Hang around. Play some board games. Enjoy some sport. Just delight. Because God has ordained that. Do it because Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath and he wants you to honour him and worship him and to fellowship with his people. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Waste time with God and his people. So church, what is God saying to you right now about rest? Now as we're nearing the halfway mark in this series, I want you to write something down. I want you to take a moment to stop and reflect. In your booklets, there's actually a little space down there to say, hey, this is something that I've learned about, this is something that I've been challenged by. Write something down, share that with your life group during the week. But take a moment right now, right here, just to reflect. How is God challenging you, speaking to you right now, to rest? And then I'll pray in a minute. Let me pray, church. Heavenly Father, you are a beautiful and gracious God who loves his creation dearly, who delights in it. Father, we are sorry that often we don't take time to worship and delight in you, that we make life all about our work and productivity and we have forgotten how to rest. Father, do your work in us by your spirit, Help us to see the joy, the pleasure of being able to rest in Christ. Father, even as we spend this morning together, might you help us to taste and see how good you are to us, that we might trust you and rely on you in all things. Might you, even as we sing, what we sing with delight in our hearts. Father, in those ways in which we have relied on ourselves, we have filled our weeks because we feel like we've got so much to do and we can't trust you. Father, will you help us to stop, rest, and rejoice? And then may we do that again next week. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, church. Well, we are going to sing now. We are going to take that moment. Um, No. We're going to pray. We're going to pray.